Are you a fan of the Black and Brown podcast? Do you want to represent the show? Get your merchandise at www.bonfire.com backslash store backslash the black and brown d-a-b-l-a-c-k-a-n-d-b-r-o-w-n welcome to black and brown a podcast where three black guys get to share their love of bourbon we talk about current events we conduct interviews and good old-fashioned shit talking our host bill anthony and delvin We'll keep you informed on what's going down with that brown. Welcome to the Black and Brown Podcast. After a little hiatus, we're back in the building. I'm your man, A. Colbert the Plug. What's going down? As always, I'm with my man, Dove H. Stevens. Yo, what's going on, cousin? Good to see you, brother. <laughs> what's happening, fam? And our third cousin, Delvin Joyce, the People's Choice. What's the deal, fam? What is the deal in DB? So it's nice to be back in the studio. And today, jumping right into it, we got the folks from Middle West Spirits. Great fan of the product. They're joining us uh, via the Zoom. What's up, fellas? First, Josh and Rudra. What's happening? Hey, guys. How's it going? What's going on, fellas, man? Good to see you, man. I mean, you know, we, yeah. we've we been trying to get you guys on the show for a while, man. A lot of, a lot of reschedules and, you know. Un- it's, it's basically like we loaned y'all money, but the way y'all were ducking us. <laughs> <laughs> they, they thought we were student loan people. Yeah, for real. <laughs> it was like, hey, man, can you call me back, please? <laughs> I, yeah, I this it, this like, is the fun stuff. We'd rather do this, but I mean, the schedules get crazy, and then trying to coordinate with what five of us, so it gets interesting. Yeah, yeah that's dope, I get man. it. I get it. But but real quick, who's in Italy? Who who was traveling abroad? That was Ryan. Oh, okay. Yeah, so okay. Ryan's not here. Yeah, cool. okay. yeah gotcha, Ryan's gotcha, still gotcha. dodging us. That's all good. Though. That's all good. All good. <laughs> so, how's the weather out there, fellas? Are you guys getting some snow or anything like that? Or right now, it's just kind of rainy. We actually saw the sunshine for a quick minute, which is good because. Uh, Columbus in the in the wintertime is pretty gray, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. a little bit. Okay, wow. So I don't know if you guys can see our table right now, but you know we're big big fans of the product, yeah, right? Yeah, we so, we're deep in Middle West today. Yeah, and we didn't we didn't even bring some of the stuff we have back at the crib, but we have a few bottles on the table we're going to talk about. And for us and a lot of our listeners, um, your product hit us at the right time. We know you guys been in the game for a minute. So we're going to get into that a little bit, but first we'd like to ask um, a few questions before we get into, as my cousin likes to say. The meat and potatoes. That's right, before we get into the big meal. <laughs> and what I like to dub, we're going to get with the neat bourbon first and ask these questions. Yes, sir. Uh, and it's good we have two of you so you can answer. You can decide amongst yourself who answers first. We can do it alphabetically and go from there, and then we'll just roll into it. So the first question yeah, we like to that. Oh, cool. So the first question we'd like to ask is, everyone has that one gateway that introduced them to the brown. So what was it that did it for you guys? Uh, for me, it was actually really interesting. I, I grew up a gin drinker. Okay. Uh, drink a lot of gin, which is pretty non-traditional for most young drinkers. Uh, my best friend's a bourbon guy, and he, for his 26th birthday, it's two weeks after mine, we went down on the bourbon trail. I figured, you know, three or four days of drinking, why not? You know, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> went to Maker's Mark. Um, Maker's Mark was really hit or miss for me back then. I wasn't really into any, you know, dark spirits. But tried the regular on the tour. That was okay. Tried the, you know, 46. That was okay. Tried the white dog. That was fine. Uh, and then they poured the cast strength. And that was before it was in distribution. That was a distillery exclusive. Oh, stuff. And, and I was like, this is pretty good. And then I was like, you're not probably not going to buy a lot of bourbon. Grab a bottle and it can be a little keepsake for you. Right. And, and it'll be fun to have. And I came back from that trip with uh, nine bottles. And that was the beginning of a, a wow. slippery slope. Yeah. What gin did you drink? Oh, I'd, any any gin. I probably <laughs> still probably have 30, 40 bottles of gin in my house. 
and oh, wow. and was it like did you get like Snoop Dogg on the ear when you were drinking gin? <laughs> I mean, not a gin and juice guy. I was I was a classic gin and tonic guy. Gin and honestly. tonic, okay. Yeah, yeah. grown up cocktail, the old soul. Yeah, yeah you no, know, it's funny, man. Back in the day, my favorite gin was like Bombay Sapphire, dog. Yeah, I loved it. Did you? Yeah, Fam, I, I, I never really got into gin. Fam, I can honestly say I don't think I've ever had gin. I've had really. Gin. I've never had gin before. Not like no, like a cocktail or nothing. Nothing. Wow. I mean, I didn't drink till I was, you know, yeah. 20, 20 something. Yeah. <laughs> so the government is listening. So. Yeah, the government is definitely listening. <laughs> That's dope, man. Um, for me, um, you know, uh, my first exposure to it was probably uh, a buddy's dad's liquor cabinet. Probably oh. wasn't the best uh, brown spirits out there. Yeah. Uh, but that was the first, you know, go at it. And I think, uh, you know, got into beer for a little while um, and then started getting into more whiskeys. As we started producing more whiskeys, we started really kind of dipping our toe in and trying everything I get my lips on. Oh, wow. Wow. Now, 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 hang on, hang on. <laughs> now, the, your buddy's uh, liquor cabinet, right? Your dad, how, how old were you guys at this time? Can you, can you say that? I'm just curious. Um, I was probably like 14. Oh, all right. Um, oh, wow. And as okay. went on, that bottle got lighter and lighter because we just kept throwing it up full of water. So, uh, you oh, know. Oh, you water? You, you didn't even try sweet tea? You know, tried try to fake it? <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, it's funny. I, I just, what made me think about that, I just saw a great ad, like a billboard. Uh-huh. And it said, it was like to try to keep kids out of your stash. And it was like, your refrigerator doesn't card. And I was like, man, that is. That's, that's a, dope. That is dope. Yeah. Somebody going to jail. So, so your buddy's dad's liquor cabinet didn't card you guys, huh? No, not at all. That's all awesome, he uh, Yep. And I think nowadays, if you want to keep your kids out of it, just put a whole bunch of Malort down there uh, and let them <laughs> learn from the <laughs> Why are we fronting? What's Malort? Is it, got, is it a terrible taste? Did you know? I thought he said homework. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what is Malort? <laughs> is, you guys uh, haven't had Malort? No, what nah. is it? Is it like a really bitter spirit? Yeah, it's it's almost astringent. It's so bitter. It is, uh, it's out of Chicago and it's like Chicago's like namesake spirit it's super bitter super harsh um the classic i call it a chicago handshake is uh old style and uh shot of my lord wow oh. is old style a beer yeah oh okay okay yeah um, y'all, y'all gotta explain that though we're not like yeah. we're originally challenged to like what's yeah. popping in chicago like my my knowledge of chicago is like deep dish pizza is it yep. yeah that's fair yeah yeah, yeah. And, we so, just, fair. and we just put dickle well, um, i would say time. <laughs> check it out because they have some of the best advertising you could get at I oh mean, really it's like my lord, tonight I'm going to fight my dad. You know, I mean, it's it crazy. Like, it, it's funny. It's like, like my lord, let's make bad choices. Exactly. <laughs> That's dope. Cool. Uh, so, so that first joins out the way. So the second one is like, even though you're partial to what you're creating and you probably favorite Middle West spirits above all, are there any bottles out there that you're like hunting? Like one of those, um, you know, you're definitely looking to add to your collection. I like just new stuff. I mean, always trying to experience something new. Um, I like, you know, Irish whiskeys, uh, trying to start getting into scotches a little bit more. Uh, that, they're pretty big. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's really trying everything. I mean, we produce some great spirits ourselves, yeah. but you know, we love drinking everybody else's too, you know, oh, seeing what okay. everybody else is up to different mash bills and, and kind of see what everybody else, you know, has in their bottle. Oh, outstanding. What about you? Yeah, Same I'm, thing. I'm, I'm, I'm a collector, so I've got a lot of bottles and, I'm a big, you know, if I can find it at retail, I'll buy it. One of my favorites right now is Knob 12. So I, Ooh. what I'll do is I'll buy bottles for me. I'll, I've got backups at the house. It's, it's one of the bottles I always give as a gift, you know, 
birthdays, you know, weddings, whatever major occasions, the knob 12 is something that I try to seek out. Uh-huh. Um, the one that I'm looking for right now is the knob 18. I haven't seen it yet. I know a couple of people that have it, but uh, as soon as I find it, I'll probably end up getting one. Oh, nice. nice so nice. knob 12 is the gift. So our, our go-to gift is like, just a standard Buffalo Trace. Did you hear the money? You heard the money all the time? Yeah, yeah. It was a shoulder yeah, shrug, too. Yeah, I was yeah, like, damn. Yeah. What does that go for anyway, like the Knob 12? Uh, retail, it should be 70 69 99 Damn. You okay. know what my birthday is, right? He said it should be, though. It should be. <laughs> yeah, you know, Ohio, I, don't, man, I don't buy so. secondary. I only go retail. So if I can yeah. find it, I'll get a couple. Nice. Yeah. nice. Very nice. That's dope. My yeah. guy. That's that's knob twelve. Have you seen the knob twelve and knob eighteen? It's like like yeah. a blue label, right? The yeah. knob twelve. The twelve is blue. The fifteen is like a orange Virginia Tech. Like, no, like, like, a, like a burgundy. Yeah, burgundy. Yeah, yeah. and then the eighteen's like a dark red. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I haven't seen the eighteen. Me I either. I mean, we, yeah, I mean, you got caught up on the nine year. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're, yeah. yeah. But nine year is pretty tasty. A little barrel pick. <laughs> we, by the way, we call knob deep knob creek mob deep. Nice, exactly. So, it's a great reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny. Like, there's a barrel pick coming out that we did from OC Bottle Shop, and that's what the graphic is they have. Yeah, yeah. they're gonna need a lawyer. Yeah, <laughs> lawyer. lawyer up. Need yeah, a we lawyer. we don't even have a nickname for Middle West yet. We gotta we nah. gotta think on that. Yeah. By the end of this show, we'll have one. Yeah, yeah but sometimes. When you're that dope, you don't need a nickname. True story. Word. Just write that down. True story. Word. So the last one is, I don't know if you guys had a chance to listen to our podcast or if anybody ever told you what to expect coming on. On those favorite picks, Ruja, we'll let you go first with this one. For the nose and the palate, we also feel like bourbon has an ear. You know, we get a lot of stuff on the ear when we do our West Kraken segment. So on your Knob Creek, I mean, the gift bottle is a, is a no-brainer. But that 18, what do you get on the ear with that joint? Oh, that's tough. See, my, my musical preference really doesn't fall in line with a lot of people. I'm a big, like, death metal guy, so oh. death metal for everything. Yeah, that's fine. Wow. It's, your, yeah, it's, your, it's your ear, man. Yeah, driving to work, death metal, driving home from work, death metal, <laughs> working out, death metal. So death it's, metal it's pretty everywhere. much Quiet time thing. with the honey, candles on, on, death metal. Who, who's, pop, who's popping on the death metal? Like, I, I think Metallica Mm-mm. from back Mm-mm. in the day. I don't know anything. No, Metallica's white. Yeah, it's yeah. harder. It's harder. Yeah. You guys talk about, like, Legendary bands, you'd go like Lamb of God, Meshuggah, people oh, like I know that. Meshuggah. Yeah. But like, if you want to go really heavy, uh, Lorna Shore, like, there's nothing that you really can make out other than it's screaming the whole time. Yeah. Wow. Death Metal's like screaming in your face and they really like you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that Meshuggah, they sing that song, Pour Some Meshuggah on Me. Is that, is that them or? <laughs> They're Swedish, so I think it's a translation error you got there. <laughs> it might be Zacharin. <laughs> What about you, Josh? Um, what, are you, what are you hunting right now? And then, you know, with that, what do you get on the air? Uh, you know, I, I like some of the little funkier uh, single barrel stuff, like Beastie Boys, something like that. Oh, you know? okay. Okay. A little old school. Damn. Yeah. That's dope. Beastie Boys. All right, so, do you like, so do you like their, their old stuff or their new stuff? I mean, because their new stuff is a little more alternative, I think. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I like I, I like it all, but I, would, I have to reference back to their old stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, gotcha, I don't know gotcha. if it was just growing up and listening to it, and yeah. there's an association there, but I, I really like it. Yeah, we're, yeah, me too. Wait, Beastie Boys has new stuff? Yeah, they do. I had no idea. Yeah, really? Yeah. It's more more like rock. Is it okay to say stuff. they peaked? <laughs> nah, it's wow. good. Man. I mean, they still have a lot of following too. Yeah, of course they do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the Beastie Boys. Me too. We do. Yeah. I mean, I I liked the Beastie Boys past tense, but yeah, no, they good stuff. It's good but stuff. yeah, I like that ear though. That's a dope ear. Yep. 
Josh. Like right. That. So, so again, we thank you guys for joining us. Um, now we're going to jump into the portion that we like to call uh, cash strength, or I'm calling it that from now on. <laughs> yeah, I like it. You know what I'm saying? We're going to kick it up a notch. Yeah, I like it. And we're going to talk a little bit about Middle West Spirits, and I guess... I don't know if it's a discovery for some. It was a discovery for me a few years ago when I kind of ran into that dark pumpernickel rye. But you guys were founded in 2008, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. Then, and then and then just reading some stuff about Ohio, the laws and everything, you guys went into commercial production two years later, 2010. Yep. So well, we, yeah, sold our first bottle 2010. Right. Yep. So, oh, okay. so for me, um, and what's dope, because we talk about this amongst ourselves, what's dope about you guys is a lot of people come into the industry and right out the gate they source, right? But you guys, like, yo, we got this recipe, we're going to do it our way. Mm-hmm. I mean... That's some dedication. Yeah, it is. And the product is dope. What, it's not easy. What made that mindset like the focus for you guys? Um, I think it was a lot of it was, you know, we're kind of the old new guys, right? We're not 300 years old, but, you know, in the scheme of things, we've been around longer than most. You know, there's a lot of craft out there, uh, but, you know, doing it since then. Uh, wanted to kind of pave our, pave our own way, do something different, not be like everybody else, you know, and producing spirits ourselves with our unique mash bills allows us to be different because you're not going to be able to source a spirit like ours anywhere else. Yeah, that's true. That's Based dope. on what? I mean, I mean, so why do you say that? I mean, how, I mean, how can you make that statement as far as like you cannot produce your spirit nowhere else? Is it because of that soft winter wheat or what? Uh, because of the mash bill. It's a specific mash bill, okay. specific grains that we utilize. Um, you know, also, too, it's our distillery. Your distillery builds a lot of flavor depending on uh, the floor that's produced. Right. Um, so, yeah, okay. it's just uh, to be different. You know, there's a lot of a lot of brands out there that have the they're buying the same stock or they're producing the same exact stock. You right. know, for us to go on our own path and trying to do something different. Okay. So I guess you guys, you know, use, um, you know, local. I mean, you're, you source your, your grains locally, I guess. Mm-hmm. or. Yep. Okay. Yeah, we do. Um, we work with a, a couple farms up north of us, uh, Columbus, uh, a couple farms down south of us, our corn, our wheat, our rye, um, bringing in barley, but pretty soon that'll change, hopefully, too. Oh, no. Very nice. And, and just so we, just so, so our listeners have uh, an understanding, tell us a little bit more about what your specific roles are, Josh, and then, and then Rudra. Thank you, Delvin. Um, um, I kind of came, I came on about six months before we launched the distillery. Um, so, you know, I've worn many hats, janitor, you know, uh, glass cleaner, <laughs> whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> um, ran the sales side for quite a bit of time, uh, now general manager and, and manages our, uh, our hospitality. So we also have a, a bar restaurant on the front of the distillery, uh, that, that people can come enjoy our spirits and some great food. Very nice. Yo, oh, uh, all right. We got it. We got it. I mean, yo, listen. The, if, you like, if you haven't seen the pictures, yeah, it looks. It I know, looks but, nice. Yeah. But when I when I think food, when I think distillery and food, yes. y'all know what I think. That old Willet Burger. The Willet Burger. Oh, yeah. I thought you were my old elk and, those and then elk. the old elk. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, those are two. I got I got to come to Middle West. Yeah. Hang on, you guys are in Columbus, right? Yep. Yep. So okay. then it's it's the Middle West spirits, right? Mm. Uh, you see what I did there? Yeah, I, see the, it. You guys, I was going to get into that. Are you guys still crying in your you know in your cereal? <laughs> a, a little bit. I worked in athletics at Ohio State before I came to oh, Middle West. Wow. Oh, okay. Very nice. Yeah. yeah oh, that was man. Yeah, that was a tough one. That was a tough one. I mean, the good news is I didn't get to see the end of it because, you know, the ball was dropping right in the middle of the damn game. Like, whose idea was that? I know. Yeah, I saw, um, I saw, uh, um, who was it? Uh, George's quarterback crying. So I thought they lost. (laughs) Right, right. Like, man. All right, Rudra, and what is your role there? 
So right now I am the marketing manager, but uh, kind of like Josh, I've been here a little bit over six years. So I've done a little bit of everything. I actually started off as a part-time tour guide. This was really just a, a hobby-tunity, right? You know, I really liked whiskey and oh, they like were that. hiring tour guides. So yeah. started as a tour guide, eventually was tours, events, on-site, off-site. Um, and then now I do marketing. So a lot of just like representing the brand and trying to get more people to know about us. Very nice. Very nice. Oh, the word is out. Trust. Yeah. Ho- hobby-tunity. I mean, <laughs> podcast over. I just learned a new word, bro. I'm yeah. Good. Yeah. Every show we got them. Yeah. Put it on a shirt. Put wow. it on a shirt. So how would you say the brand has changed since you both started to where you're at now? Because obviously more people are finding out about you. You're shipping now. We just discovered we can get you here in the great state of North, North Carolina. Carolina. Yeah. So we're excited I'm, about I'm so, that. I remember, because um, I think the first time um, you guys didn't ship to North Carolina, so I had to have it shipped to my, had my to pl- parents. Had to plug it out. My parents down in South Carolina. <laughs> but then I went back to the website. You guys, I guess, updated those, you know, your, your shipping list. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, Oh, sorry, what was the question again? I lost train of thought. How have things changed for yeah. you since your inception to where we're at now with the demand and your shipping out of state and all that? Yeah, um, I think we've gotten a lot better at making better juice. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, when we first got into this, Ryan, our, our uh, distiller, is fourth generation. So he learned from his grandfather. So there's a lot of heritage there about how distillate worked. And their process is very different than the way we produce nowadays. But um, you know, it's about trying to make the best whiskey and the best distillate we can uh, every day, trying to work harder and better at making it good. Um, the, a lot of things have changed now. You can actually have the ability to put a lot more whiskey back. Uh, when we first started, it was a couple barrels here and a couple barrels there. They'd come to age, we'd sell them, and then we'd keep doing it. But now, over the past couple of years, started to reinvest in Middle West to make sure we have ample supply, putting lots and lots and lots of whiskey back so we can actually get it older and uh, older. Okay. Uh, so that's the biggest challenge is, you know, getting barrels, getting, you know, grain, getting it all going. And yeah. Letting- cool. Did you guys start with like 30, 30 gallon barrels and, and, and graduate to 55 or did you start with the 55? We, so we played around with some smaller barrels when we first started. We just didn't like the flavor profile. It was, felt a little forced, but we did do 30s for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, it was more necessity. Um, we didn't have a lot of space. 30 gallon barrels don't take up as much space. Sure. Uh, we didn't have the right equipment. We didn't have a fork truck. I can physically move a 30 gallon barrel around, flip them up and, and roll them around. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to do that with the 53. Yeah. So, uh, as time went on, we transitioned everything over to 53s, and that's what we're running with now. So, I mean, how did you know? Like, you started, you opened, I guess, in 2008. You didn't actually start distributing until 10, but how did you know when it was ready? Like, what was that process? And I love the fact that you guys have been there since day one, mm-hmm. pretty much. So, tell it, take us through that thought process for we created this distillate, and now it's ready to go to market. Um, I mean, jump into Rudra. I think it's a lot of learnings. I mean, I can tell you our first batch of wheat whiskey that we released, we thought it was great. Uh, and our, our, our customers and our guests thought it was great. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, we had a barrel that would sat back a little bit longer and we tasted it and we liked it better older. So we stopped it and we waited and we wait till it got up to the appropriate age. I think a lot of it's just tasting, understanding, but also going out to market and trying other people's stuff. You know, what is a four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old, eight-year-old taste like? Right. Understanding those flavor profiles and looking for some of that in ours. And do you guys have, like, did you have like a master taster that kind of made that call or was that Ryan's decision for when it was ready? Or was there like a committee? 
Uh, more Ryan's decision. I mean, the passion really came from, from his side of things. Now we do have a handful of folks over here that we can lean on when it comes to tasting, uh, getting opinions. Hey, where are we at with this? Uh, if somebody's not here, taste it. What do you think? Should we are we ready to pull the trigger on it? Um, but it, it takes a while to understand a flavor profile. And also, too, it's not just it's understanding Ryan's palate as well. Right. Because at the end of the day, it's his vision. And we got to make sure we're producing the spirits that he likes to drink and yeah. that we want to get out in the market. Very nice. So can you run down your, your list of products that you offer? Um, because um, you guys sent us some really good stuff. The Sherry Cast and the Oloroso Wheat. No, no, no. Hang on. You said us? Yes, us. Where, where, whose house did that go to? I don't know. Yeah. Us, us, us didn't get no mail. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, but us, us tried it. <laughs> us tried it in the past, too. But, um, but us didn't get that nice ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> That's my second bottle. <laughs> us is mad. So, um, yeah. So can you run down your lineup for us? Yeah, so we started with the character vodka. So it's a 100% wheat vodka. We have two different infusions. We have a honey vanilla bean, which is real uh, wildflower honey, and then vanilla pods. Uh, we have a version of that that we barrel aged. We'll take a honey vanilla bean vodka, put it into a bourbon barrel for a year, and we get our barrel finished uh, vodka. We then have a stone fruit. So again, we'll take that base vodka, put it in with some fruit, some peaches, cherries, apricot, uh, wildflower honey, uh, hibiscus and almond extract. So it almost is like a port wine quality. And then on the gin side, we've got our Vim and Petal, which is our American dry. So it's a little bit more floral in terms of gin. We've got our Lux and Umbra, which is our London dry, which is our newest gin we put out a couple months ago, um, trying to lean more into the traditional gin market. Right. On the whiskey side, our first product out was the wheat whiskey. Mm -hmm. It's a 95.5, 95% soft red winter wheat, 5% barley. Second one that was released was our Michelone Reserve bourbon, which is our straight bourbon. That's our weeded four grain. Wait, wait, wait. That's hey, Michelone? Yeah, yeah. How do you say that? Because I've been saying Michelone. So, <laughs> it's so, Michelone. Yeah, it's Michelone. It's Michelone. We, we joke about this a lot that people try to make it real fancy. Like Michelone and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, found a guy, I found a guy online that said you pronounce it Michelone, not Michelone. So it's Michelone? So it depends on who you ask. Okay. So Ryan is from Western Pennsylvania. Yeah. They say Michelone. Okay. That's his grandfather's last name. Oh, I was about to ask you what. They are originally right. from Italy, so it probably was at one point Michelone. Oh, got you. And then it eventually became Michelone. Okay. So we, oh. as a company, just say Michelone Reserve. Okay, oh, gotcha. very, nice. Okay. very nice. Well, Michelone smells better than yours. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Roger, sorry. Go ahead. Continue with uh, that. No, yeah, that's the bourbon. That's the four grain. Yeah. Um, the third whiskey that we dropped was the... Uh, Straight rye, which is the dark red, or not dark, dark pumpernickel rye. Yeah. Um, it's a unique rye because that's also yes. a four grain. Yes. yes. I just found that, that out today. today. Yep. Yeah. Today years so old. So it's a four grain. Same four grains as the bourbon. We use it a lot for like a educational tool. Same four grains, different ratio, completely different whiskey. Uh, we have a white rye version of that, a white dog version at 110. Uh, that is more uh, the mixologists and the bartenders really like. Yeah. And, and uh, with our bourbon, we've also done a bourbon cream that we dropped a couple years ago and that's really popular so it's just wisconsin sweet cream sugar and our bourbon and it tastes really good yeah um, yeah but the big three that i can see you guys have at least two of them yep. are the double cast collection so we've got our bourbon that we finish in cream sherry barrels uh, we have our wheat whiskey that we finish in oloroso barrels and then yep. we've got our rye that we finish in tawny port barrels 
Wow, yeah, that's, that's, the, one that's the only one tried. we haven't yeah, tried. That's the one that we haven't tried yet. But we are definite fans of the sherry cast. I mean, yeah. the, the first night we tasted, I think there might have been like three more orders that hit your website <laughs> and some double ups behind. Yeah, them. yeah no really complaints good. there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, um, the flavor profile on this on the sherry cast was like no, no, because I'm not a big finished bourbon guy. Um, you know, he actually you know, hates them. That, yeah, to put it out there, but you know, to, you know, to be fair, but this one that that sherry cast was really nice. So, how'd you guys get to that one? Thank you. Yeah, you know, how'd you guys? I mean, did you? I mean, was it something you were looking for? Or is it, I mean, how'd you guys get to that sherry sherry cast finish? It's really experimentation. So, when you're small, you're trying to find ways to differentiate yourself, right? You can do the mash bill, and then you say, "Well, we did the mash bill. What else can we do?" And okay. I think finishing oftentimes gets a really bad rap sure. because people think it's like masking, right? Oh, you take a, a mediocre distillate and cover it up with some sweetness or cover it up with a wine finish. And that really wasn't the goal. It was to find something that complemented the spirit. That's why all three of the double casts yeah. are in different barrels. Mm-hmm. Right. The sweetness of a cream sherry really lends itself to the bourbon. The wow. dryness in that dry fruit from an Oloroso barrel really works well with the wheat whiskey. The hardest one was the rye because the rye is such a powerful flavor. Yeah. We needed something that could stand up to it. So instead of going to a different type of sherry, we completely switched it up and went to a port, wow. a heavy, sweet port that can stand up to that spice of the rye. Mm. And, and that's how we got to those. Mm. Sounds delicious. Yeah, it, it does sound delicious. Yeah. Ooh, her name delicious. <laughs> but you know, he he is correct. He doesn't like a lot of finished spirits, right? So when he first offered it to me to let me try it, I was intrigued. And yeah. then I tasted it. Yeah. And it changed my world. Yeah. Literally, yeah. I was like, every I'd time, never taste anything like that. Yeah, every time I give that to anyone, they're like, wow, this something different. It's really good. hundred percent. Yeah. Just, I mean, the mouthfeel on it is really, really nice. So, so how'd you guys get to six years? Is that the best you guys have tasted so far or will it be like maybe down the line, eight year, 10 year? Are you guys going to do any, any other ones? We won't know until we get there. Yeah. I mean, gotcha. Here's yeah. the age statement. You've got to test and you got to push it. And at some point it won't be good. And that'll be our cutoff, right? right. It might be 10, it might be 12, it might okay. be 15 years. Okay. Um, so really the experimentation comes with twofold. How old is the bourbon that goes into the sherry barrel? And then how long do we leave it into a sherry barrel? Okay. Gotcha, so it's gotcha. both. We've been playing around like, do we put older bourbon and do the same time in a sherry barrel? Yeah. Or do we take that bourbon, put it into a sherry barrel and just let it sit? Okay. And that's where we're really tinkering around with it. So, so, so if you need some help with that, I mean, I can fly up. And to be clear, you do have some <laughs> spirits sitting in these barrels right now to test this experimentation, correct? Yep. Oh, yeah. Very nice. Very yeah, we nice. can look at tickets, bro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and, I, and I know you guys can't necessarily speak for Ryan, but you guys may know this. Like, as a fourth-generation distiller, right, is there something from, I guess, his family lineage that he has brought into Middle West um, that has sort of, I guess, created a unique um, perspective on your product? Um, I think it honestly, I think it's a passion. I think it, it, it's learning that, that relationship he had with his grandfather, something they did together, um, you know, was really important. And so it's that passion for the, for the distillation and to, to, to be a builder and a maker to actually make something from the, all the way from the ground, all the way up. Right. And how do you harness that? And so the mash bills that he worked on were very different because the grain profile of where he lived was very different. Right. So it was about coming into Ohio, finding out the best of the best that we have near us and utilizing those pieces and putting them all together. Hmm. Where, where did he come from? Tell me, I'm sorry. Did I miss that? 
um, was it Williamsburg, Pennsylvania? Little small town in Pennsylvania. Ah, yeah, yeah. PA. Okay. Yeah. Very nice. So he came with a with a mash bill that his grandfather had, correct? Well, no. So they did a lot of rye, I believe, and they also did a lot of um, corn. They did a lot of brandies, things like that that were available around there. Pennsylvania is really known for a lot of their rye. So I think the process is where he learned there. But once we got here to Ohio, it was about looking at the lineage and heritage of what happened to Ohio. I mean, Cincinnati had, you know, 80 plus distilleries before prohibition. You know, they'd use to move everything around. So there was a lot of history here knowing that we could sort start sourcing that beautiful grain that's around us and to do something different. Wow. So how many how many different mash bills do you guys have? Is it is it the three or um, can you share that? Sure. It would be the well it'd be the well the vodka's their own mash yeah, bill, exactly. right? Yeah, yeah. Whiskies, it'd be the three whiskeys right currently right now that we have, and then we have the di- different secondary finishings, and then we have the cast strength variations of the regular whiskeys and the double cast whiskeys. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, because you know, we came, I mean, you guys came on our radar whenever um, um our good friends at TSR they did like mm-hmm. a barrel pick with you guys. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think they call it what, Stag Smasher the Killer stag, or hang something? On, hang on. Right, I got it right here. Hang on. It is the, uh, yeah, it's not written on the bottom. I think they call it the Stag Smasher. But it's a uh, Stag, stag Smasher. Because that was yeah. the second one because Bourbon Hunters had the first one they sent us. Yeah, I think, yeah. yeah Bourbon Hunters sent us some yeah. samples from their barrel pick. No, they sent me a whole bottle. It's in your bottle. My guy, dude, oh, but that was from us. Bottle. Again, it went to your house. It, it, went, to, house. it went to us's yeah. house again. But I think that's when you guys came on our radar. We were like, Ohio, because everybody's like, oh, Kentucky, you know, yeah. there's some other places out there. Yeah. Like, I think Tennessee does something like, you know. Yeah, yeah whatever. Like but anyway, we were like Ohio. And yeah. then it was like, I found the dark pumpernickel rye. Yeah. And from there, it just popped. You know what I mean? Right. But yeah, but getting about what I was going to say is that whenever um, TSR and when they put, you know, Stag Smasher on the label, mm. you know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, everyone knows Buffalo Trace, right? And for them to, you know, label that bottle with that type of uh, name, you know, you have to be good, right? You have to be something that's special. And then, um, like I said, Delvin gave me some, or Choice gave me some, and uh, I remember <laughs> thinking, like, this is really good. It's, it's really, it's really good. Like, incredible. <laughs> they just say it like that. It's really good. It's like, really you good. see how much I have left in this bottle. Like, yeah. I oh, oh, yeah. And the, the funny thing is, is when the name came out, it was, it's, it's, it's twofold, right? Double-edged sword. We're really excited for somebody to say, that's a stag smasher. And you're like, yeah. wow, that's, that's a really high compliment. But yeah. then it's, will everyone else think that? Or is that just hyperbole? Like, if you put that on a bottle yeah. and all of a sudden all these people buy it and they don't think it's that good. Right. You know, that's always the concern, right? Because we are our biggest critic. Yeah, you know, well, we try a lot of things and we're like, it could be better. It could be this. It could be that. Right. No, yeah. that's but incredible. It's letting others try it and taste it and let us know, you know are we on the right path? Or, you know, do we need to change something? Yeah. So what proof do you guys go into the barrel? Because I know that that, that stack smasher comes in at 126.6. So do I mean, what proof do you guys go into the barrel for your for your weeded whiskey? It, it varies by the brand, uh, by okay. what, what distillate it is. Yeah, well, some will go in a little higher, some will go in a little lower. Okay, I got you. All right, cool. Because I was just wondering how much, you know, liquid evaporates if it goes in like at 115 and, you know, does it get to 126? Does it move that much? It also depends on the spirit. Like we'll see, you know, our rye and our bourbon, they change differently. Our ryes will get really hot, but they drink really well hot. But that's yeah. just what the barrels come out at. Yeah. You look at our barrel picks traditionally, our bourbon sits closer to 120. Oh, yeah. Okay. Up to 125. The rye is steadily between like 125 and 129. It just, whatever happens with the grain and the distillate in that barrel, the rye just comes out a little bit hotter. Wow. Very nice. 
So, so what can we expect? Like when we come for our barrel, I mean, what can somebody expect when they do like a barrel pick? When they show up, what is that like? I like that presumptive close, and I also will let you know I gave up the single barrel program about eight months ago, so not the right audience for that. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> but uh, for us, it's 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 personalized, and we want you to get good product. I think the difficult thing is, you know, when we did TSR, we did bourbon hunters, people are weary of doing barrel picks because they, they want to put their name on yeah. good product. Right. Sure. And so when we do blends and we pull barrels down and we taste barrels, that's how we pick our single barrels. They're not just random barrels that we pull out of the rickhouse. It's okay. Out of these 50 that we tried, these three are really the, the top of the line. Oh, yeah. and we're going to pull those for single barrels. And that's why we have such a, a long wait time between single barrel picks for people is we're only going to do single barrels with the whiskey that we think is the best of what we have. We're not just going to pull barrels out of a warehouse. That's, so that's why the bourbon hunters pick the TSR pick the ones we drop in our bottle shop or whether it goes to a, you know, on-premise, off-premise, whatever it may be. We want them to be proud of it because we're proud of whatever samples we're sending them. That that is the best of what we make. Wow. Say less. That's dope. Very dope. So, so I feel like right now <laughs> people all across the country know Middle West spirits, Right. Like, I mean, do you guys feel that way? And I, I know, Ruger, you're a marketing guy, so I'm sure you are tracking the sales metrics. Like, where are we doing the best? So I, my question is twofold. Number one, where are you doing the best outside of Ohio? Because I'm sure Ohio, it's popping. Ohio right? is popping with bottles right? in the Midwest. But where, like, where is your next biggest market? Um, and then number two, what, do, what would you say has contributed to your success outside of the Ohio market? For us, I mean, Ohio is number one. And then it's the traditional big markets, Texas, California, Florida. I'd have to say number two is probably Texas by a solid margin. They can't get enough of our product. They're always banging on the door asking for barrel picks and double cask and what it may be, which we always appreciate. Um, The growth, I think it's twofold. As the product gets better, um, the more people that try and like it, they'll talk about it. And we just have more of it. You know, for us, it was always scale and we wanted to scale well. We didn't want to go into distribution without having good product or having enough product because the fear is always you put it in distribution and people love it and then you run out. And then yeah, what do you yeah. do? Yeah. Well, yeah. you, you uh, call it Pappy Van Winkle and charge $10,000 for it. What do you do? <laughs> Finance a takeover. <laughs> Duh. Yeah, we, we're not that old, so we don't really have that history you know, storytelling to be like, yeah, way back in 2008. <laughs> well, well, you could you could hire somebody to uh, come in and steal a bunch of your stuff too. So there you go. Hey, sure. Into a Netflix documentary. I mean, the, yeah, that's how you do it. It's endless, bro. Yeah, I can't forget those bottles. That's right. That's right. Yeah, um, I'm here in North Carolina. We can only seem to get the pumpernickel, so I'm not really sure what that's about. But um, <laughs> yeah, what's that about? Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not mad about it though. No, no, I'm saying. I mean, no, I want to get more of it. I just oh, yeah. but, and the pumpernickel seems to be uh, more readily, readily available around here. Um, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I just love hearing you say pumpernickel. <laughs> pumpernickel, <laughs> grown ass man butchers it. <laughs> pumpernickel. <laughs> oh. But logistics aside, yeah, yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> So can we get more? I mean, he was asking. I mean, that was a question, guys. Yeah. I mean, he's like, can we get more? Well, I mean, it's 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 a lot of factors, right? State distribution, distributors, inventory, all those things really play. And, and it's, it's agencies, right? We can say, hey, they're all in Texas. They're all in North Carolina. But yeah. if that liquor store is like, hey, I really just like the rubber nickel and that's what I'm going to carry, that's what we're beholden to. 
Um, we're trying to get everything everywhere, but I think that's just a matter of time of, sure. of knowledge. You know, it could be like you guys where they tried the rye and they loved it so much. And they're like, you know what? That's I've got enough SKUs, but I love this one product enough that I want to carry it in my store. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. yeah, they're not really adding much more shelves at the liquor store, right? You kind of work with what you got. So if you're putting one on, you're usually taking one off. Mm. Uh, also, too, distribution. When you think about when you think about states, you might as well think of each state as a new country. Uh, the le- legislation, what you can and can't do there, is completely different state by state. So yeah. we're a fellow control state. So therefore, sometimes you're on full listing, sometimes you're on special listing, which requires you to have to buy a case at a time. So once again, it just depends on where you're at, what the laws and regulations of those states are, and trying to work within those confines and finding good partners. Hmm. Can you can you talk a little bit about those regulations? Because I know when you guys first started, I read an article as I was researching before we talked about um, Ohio and the restrictions they had on you as far as what you could produce, what you could sell, how they kind of had you handcuffed and you guys kind of um, set up with other distilleries and kind of fought that. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah. Um, we started the Ohio Distillers Guild uh, shortly after we first opened up and there wasn't a whole lot of distilleries out there, but th- we were all feeling the same problems, right? You know, we live in a controlled state here, very different than most other states. So we actually had to change law to allow us to open up a restaurant. Um, breweries and wineries could always have a tasting room, but dis- distilled spirits couldn't. We could only serve a quarter ounce pour at room temperature for people to try, um, which most people aren't used to drinking warm spirit, right? So <laughs> there was a big learning curve in getting the state of Ohio to understand that there's a huge industry that, that we're able to tap into. And so it took a long time, but uh, at the end of the day, we've made it much more easier for us to work within Ohio. Uh, the laws are getting better, um, but you know, once again, state by state, it's just completely different. And you know, there's a lot of push on the craft side to change these things, to kind of level set that playing field with us and a lot of the big producers. Do do you guys anticipate always being craft or do you have visions that that uh, I guess to expand to where you are no longer considered a craft distillery? I think we're always going to be grain to glass. That's it. At the end of the day, we're always going to be producing all of our own stuff. I just think, you know, as we grow, we're going to scale. That makes sense. But I guess the other question also becomes is what is craft? Right? What is that cap? And and it's almost like small batch. How about a small batch? Yeah, you know, everybody it could be five it, bottles. It could be fifty you know, barrels. Yeah. hundred barrels. Right? right? Exactly. It's yeah. all. It, it depends on how you decipher it. Sure. Hmm. And what are you guys drinking from Middle West? Like on a on a humble on a on a Tuesday night, you go home. What what's your go to Middle West? And then follow up question to that is which which Middle West makes the best cocktail and why? What? Don't cocktail. <laughs> um, I like our bourbon. I like our rye. I like all of our dark spirits. I mean, it's kind of like picking your kids, right? Kind of depends on the day that on what you're kind of feeling. Um, cocktails. Uh, I like our bourbon. I think our bourbon plays really well. Although the rye does a good job because it has that spice, it can kind of punch through a little bit. Um, but you know, I can tell you most of the time I'm. Even though my world on the sales side was a lot of cocktails, right? When you're talking about on-premise and events, things like that. Uh, I usually drink our spirits and most spirits neat. That's just how I enjoy them. Very oh. nice. What about you, Rudra? Uh, for me, I think the wheat whiskey is the most underrated thing that we produce. I think, you know, if, if I'm just sitting down and having a couple pours, maybe back to back. I really like the wheat. I think it's, I, I joke and tell people on tours, it's whiskey flavored whiskey. You know, <laughs> bourbon can be super oaky. Rye can be super spicy. If you want to have a couple pours, the wheat's really nice because it's it's whiskey. When somebody thinks of whiskey, that's kind of where I fall in. I also really like it for cocktails because you can be versatile with it. 
Um, the bourbon and rye stand out, but sometimes you don't want that in a cocktail. Sometimes you just want the whiskey element and you want other things to play with it. I like it for both, but um, I do have all of the core. I really like them. I think when people come over, they're most impressed by the rye, if you do yeah. a lineup of all three. Mm. Um, but I'm, I'm probably preferential to the wheat. Are we talking straight rye or the finished rye? The straight rye. Straight rye. Oh, okay. okay. Well, Got to shoot for a bottle. Wowza. <laughs> That's dope, man. Well, I was going to ask a question. I just forgot. I blanked out. Because you're old, man. Yeah, yeah you know. exactly. But it's all good, though. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Did you guys grow up in Ohio? Yes, I did. So I was I was born in Chicago, but I moved to Ohio when I was a year and a half old. So I grew up in Ohio, lived here my whole life. Basically. Very cold. Yep. St. Louis for me. I grew up there. I've been here in Ohio now almost 20 years. So, okay. Um, so maybe we're located guys. here. Yeah. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. Um, Josh, you said that earlier, like, would the, you would like to um, have Irish whiskeys at a time and you're looking at scotches. Does any of that influence like kind of what you guys go into when you're thinking of the next wave and evolution of what's going to be coming out of the distillery? I think so. I mean, you you watch your trends, you see what's going on. I mean, bourbon is extremely popular. Ryes are extremely popular, but I mean, you just look at, look at single malts right now. Look at the big push about getting it, you know, an, an American single malt as a category. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of fun stuff coming down the pipeline. And I think you're inspired by what other people do. You know, their distillation, distillation techniques may be a little different. They add different characteristics to the distillate. Um, but like I said, they're, they're kind of different. You know, I'm a big fan of Redbreast. You know, that's probably one of my favorite Irish whiskeys. You know, it's mm. nice and smooth and soft. Glad you uh, clarified that. <laughs> 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 silly. Keep so, going, sorry No, I'm good um, So yeah, no, I, I think it just really depends um, I think it's going to be interesting watching the single malt trend come into play uh, I think you're going to start to see a lot more of that come out here in market pretty soon Very nice Someone told us once that to, to get the full effect of the Irish whiskey You had to add a bit of salt to it before you drink it Is, it, is that any credible? Have you tried that before? I've not tried it, but I'll have to now. Huh. <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> to, to get back. the full effect out of my Irish whiskey, I add a little bit of bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I just don't drink it. I get the full effect that way. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. Yeah, I'm not is a big it, fan either. Is it very peaty? It's just, yeah. It just doesn't. I mean, the taste, scotch, same thing for me. Yeah. But I will say there are some American um, single, malts. single malts that I actually enjoy. Um, name, you, name one you, the Woodford because oh, because I don't think it right. I don't think it tastes like a traditional yeah. kind of single malt yeah, it, it was it totally changed my expectations so if 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 Middle West if the Middle West distillery <laughs> came out with a uh, with a single malt I'm all over it right exactly yeah. is that is that something that's going on in the experimentation vaults right now or breaking breaking news yet? breaking Wait, news come on give it to us give the music. we got lots of stuff sitting back we'll see what sticks oh we got to take oh, a trip wow. man we got to take a trip <laughs> I like it well this is our this is our what's next question right yeah, yeah, so yeah. so what would you guys say is next like. For our listeners who are all Middle West fans, like you would be surprised how many people go in our DMs and say, hey, I discovered Middle West from your podcast, right? We just yeah, got one this past yeah, week. We got one today. Yeah, true story. Yeah, my guy was like, I, I found the dark pumpernickel rye because yep. of your podcast. Pumpernickel? Yep. Right? <laughs> I found that pumpernickel. <laughs> so, so, like, what is next? What can our listeners be looking forward to from the Middle West distillery? I think we're now hitting a point where we're getting that age stock to hit closer to an age range where we want it. Um, 
older whiskey is not always better, but there is a tipping point where it, it goes from, you know, having that, you know, I hate to describe it as like new make quality, but it's got that sharpness to it. And then all of a sudden it around that corner. Um, I always use the example because I love it of that knob 12, where you get that heaviness out of it. You get that nuttiness out of it. Yeah. I think because we were able to scale in 2015, 2016, we are now seeing the fruits of that labor where we have more barrels and we've been able to allow to sit back longer and the age on every blend is getting older or single barrels are getting older. And I think that's really going to be the tipping point where somebody who may have tried it two, three years ago and thought, man, this is a little young. It just needs a little bit more. Well, now we have that little bit more. And I think that's, what's really going to flip that switch for a lot of people. Dope. That's dope, man. I love that answer. Word. So, so before we wrap, man, we thank you guys for being on the show. Um, People are going to be looking for your product. They already are. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, give them your information where they can find you, follow you, or reach you to get the spirits or just to holler at you about any questions they have. Yeah. So all of our socials are at Middle West Spirits. Easy enough. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, if that's your thing. Twitter. <laughs> um, we are also, our website is just MiddleWestSpirits.com. Very straightforward. You can buy bottles online right there. We also just added a product finder. So if you're trying to look for something. Yep. We do have a product finder on our website now. We're in 45 states. So if it's not in your state, it's really, really close. And, and who runs that website, Ruger? Is that you? Uh, editing the website is me. I think it's a collective okay. um, of like content and all that. But yeah, if you reach out on social, it'll be me. All right, cool. Um, we'll get a response pretty quickly. Dude, so. You need more behind the scenes videos, man. Just, you know, put, it, <laughs> put up more content so we can holla. <laughs> right. hey, put put death metal under the music and just take us on a tour through the distillery. That'd be dope. Yeah, well, Ryan would love that. I don't know how many other people will. No, that'd be that'd be dope. That'd be awesome. That'd yeah. be awesome. Um, Josh, where can they find and follow you? Same thing. No, you're just gonna keep it under the company umbrella. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's where that's where I live all the time. So you know, that's the best place to get a hold of me. That's yeah. what's up. That's dope, man. Yep. So you guys have to promise to come back to on the show before you drop anything and release it. If we can't come out and do a barrel pick, you got to at least come here and tell us what's new and popping, so the listeners will know, and so we can get first crack. Is that cool? All about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. Man. All right, man. Cool. That's dope. So you guys are gonna have to take some time and come out and visit us. Oh, oh say yeah, right. We'll, we'll be out yeah. there as soon as the I'm ticket prices drop. Up. We're coming out. All right, man. So so for the Black and Brown podcast, the guys at Middle West Spirits. I'm your man, A. Colbert, with my man, the Silverback, yes, W.A. Stevens, and the People's Choice, Delvin Joyce. Rabbits B. Stay black, keep it in the Middle West, <laughs> and stay red. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate y'all.